0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome to our Sunday service here at 180 Church. Uh, my name is Minyoung, and I'll be going over today's community news before we go into the sermon. So we're officially in the season of Advent. We're in the third week of Advent now and it's the season in the church where we as a community can reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ together. We're reminded of what that meaning is behind his arrival here on earth. 2000 years ago and the promise of his return. So as a church community, we'll be posting the Advent devotional from Sarah Young's Jesus Calling in our 180 Church Instagram handle. So please follow along as we observe Advent together. Our next announcement is about tithes and offering. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we ask that you remember to keep God in the center of your finances. So please tithe faithfully, which you can do at Venmo, Zelle, Chase Quick Pay or PayPal. If you're a visitor here with us today, we welcome you to our service. Uh, There's no financial obligation to give, but if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so in those methods above. Our next announcement is about our Bible reading group or BRG here at 180 Church. We have an Instagram handle and a Tumblr page at 180BRG, where you can follow in and follow and jump in at any time to read the Bible with us. Um, There are regular posts on each channel. So feel free to follow along and get fed with the word of God. Next up is all the different ways that you can pray with us. We request prayer from our prayer um, team hotline. We invite you to use these resources at 5397PRAYER or prayer at 180church.tv. And we also have a house of prayer here in the theater at 1130. So feel free to come in and align your hearts before service starts as Pastor Lydia leads this time. Our next announcement is about our small groups, which are still being held remotely during this time, or mostly remotely. Uh, Small groups are where we meet in smaller pockets of community and connect during the week. Our adult groups meet Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Young adult groups meets uh, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. And our college group, 180 Fellowship, meets, I believe, in person on Mondays at 7.30 p.m. So if you're interested in getting plugged in, you can come talk to me or any of the greeters in blue. Next up is all the different ways on social media that you can stay connected with us. We're on three Instagram handles at 180church, 180brg, and 180fellowship. We have a YouTube channel at 180churchNYC. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here, has a Twitter page that you can follow at Dr. Kim. Our Facebook page is at 180church, and as mentioned before, we have a Tumblr page at 180brg. So follow us, like us, keep up with us throughout the week to find out what we're up to. Our next announcement is about our children's ministry. We need volunteers to help with watching our little babies, our little kids during Sunday service. So if you enjoy hanging out with a younger crew, um, please um, come talk to Pastor Lydia or Michelle Kim so you can um, get plugged in and help out there. Uh, We also need volunteers for our 180 cafe which you guys pass on your way in here. We have a team who serves up coffee and tea and other delicious beverages so they actually need more help so if you're interested in helping out in this way you can also you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee who are in blue or if you're interested in serving in a uh, different capacity than the ones I mentioned before we need more people on the greeting team to help welcome our members and visitors so if you'd like to Uh, welcome people and have a, you know, a good attitude about, you know, welcoming people into our community, you can help out in this way. You can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee about this. Lastly is about a remote uh, worship schedule. We'll be having remote services this year on key holidays, which will give everyone time to travel and get to where your families are from anywhere in the world. Um, So next week, we're having our Christmas service here in the theater, which is on the 19th. And then we're moving to the remote service on the 26th. And then we have our second remote service or our last one on the 2nd of January, which is our New Year's Eve service, or New Year's service, excuse me. Um, so we hope that you will all tune in and uh, on those days. And um, that's it for all of our announcements.
1: Just for a moment, we're gonna give you time to center yourselves and practice to rule of life. Welcome for those who joined us in the theater as we still fight the variant. When the pandemic will be over, is still very precarious as we diligently continue to fight it. Let's take a moment and trust the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's exhale. All the things weighing heavy on your heart, your mind, anxieties, toxicities, fear. That's laid before the feet in the house of the Lord. The Bible tells us that to cast our cares, which literally means to throw it at God, for He cares for us. And inhale, the presence of God is transcending peace in His presence. All God's people pray. Amen. Well, welcome to the third week of Advent. Let's put this picture up here. So, a uh, few years ago, I was in an airport, and suddenly, of course, you never like when this happens, uh, when you're in Arkansas for a week, even though Walmart headquarters is there, there's actually a pretty cool museum, but you know, I was pretty tired, had a lot of meetings, and all the flights were canceled, and they happened actually within the hour because there was a storm taking place Uh, everyone moving to New York, all all the flights were canceled except one flight. And so everybody was really just panicking, and I was already in Arkansas for a week, and the next flight out to New York was three days away. And everybody was complaining, and, you know, I just felt, lost at that moment because I didn't see my family for a while my kids were complaining they go dad when you're not here bad things happen <laughs> I'm like thank god and uh and um you know and and I found the flight one last seat but it cost thousands of dollars to get out so here was the risk versus you know the the reward this one flight out to New York for thousands of dollars. I think it was the middle seat. What should I do? What would you do? I paid it. I suffered and endured. People were actually trying to buy the seat from me. And I said, no, I can't stay here any longer. And I remember tracking through the airport, everybody was you know moody the flight was pretty you know turbulent because of the storm pending and everybody was anxious so eventually I get to the airport I see my family and here I am at home this next picture up here and and my boys when uh, I come back home from a long trip they usually pow on me and so They say that contrast is the mother of clarity. So the suffering I endured in Arkansas was different from the suffering I felt here on the the couch many times. But there's a word for it. There's one word that I felt. That word is joy. Joy is surprising. Tell someone next to you, joy is surprising. Joy is surprising because it's not what you would expect. How did I just pay thousands of dollars, and I'm one of those really, really smart, cheap people that will never, ever pay more than I should or could I like free? The points system is, I, you know, before there was the points guy, I was that guy. Looking at loopholes. And so here I'm paying thousands of dollars, hours at the airport, enduring and suffering just to see my family, to endure more suffering. But I felt a joy that I haven't felt in a week. Why? Because joy exists in a different plane of reality than in this world joy is actually four-dimensional the typography of joy exists in eternity outside of time and space it is eternal and it flows in the presence of god today i want us to understand whether we're seekers or believers or those antagonistic even to faith, understand the nature of joy. That when people are surprised by joy, everything changes in your life. Because joy, whether you know it or not, is our pursuit. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that before the foundations of the world, He chose us. According to his what? Pleasure and will. Because he wanted to and he liked to. Our existence, our inherent ontological existence was created to compound joy in our lives. That's what we're after, whether we know it or not. Sometimes even sin. And my analogy is always donuts That's sin for me in my diet. Even what we think of alchemy and what's tempting and compelling in narratives that we find ourselves in that bring despair is our pursuit of joy. And that's why it's critical to understand the biblical framework of joy. So, instead of wasting our life on what is fleeting, we find what our home, the heart Are looking for and it's in the presence of God whether we know it implicitly or explicitly and that's what I want to talk about today so let's look at this text and I want to just give you an exposition of the fruit of this fruit of the Spirit we talked about love a lot in the last few weeks I want to talk about the inherent ontological virtue of joy in that Ephesians, um, Galatians 5, that fruit, and how we can attain it, and why it's so important for us to learn it. So look what the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles, right? And run. And then, verse 2: fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith, the finisher of our faith. And I think this sentence is paramount to understand. What's the first word? After the perfecter of our faith? For. Say that again. That's a proposition. What is a proposition? What's this word, The etymology of for, mean? It means reaching a goal or attaining a purpose. So the writer of Hebrews tells us here, faith and all those who've come before us were pursuing this one single goal. purpose the word for is always purpose indicates purpose so the writer here says for the joy set before him he endured what the cross and read those words carefully so for the joy set before him the word set means something was designated something was laid out something called to him a plan a goal a purpose but joy was that purpose for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame so the horrific scandalous narrative of the cross was endured because of the joy set before him but catch this that joy and the purpose to which he was called what in this text are what inseparable and that's why he was able to endure it so calling and purpose and joy are inseparable tell someone next to you inseparable they're inseparable so the biblical framework of joy is, always, what I, I'm reminded of what Stephen Pressfield says, a legendary writer, Hollywood producer, worked with Matt Damon and Will Smith and others, but also wrote a book, The Fires of Hell, that's read by West Point, Naval Academy, and it's just a prolific author. In his book, War of Art, not to be confused with The Art of War, he says that resistance... Tell someone next to you, resistance. Resistance obscures a movement only moving from a lower plane to higher. Resistance only strikes when you are pursuing a calling or evolving to a morally, ethically, or spiritually higher reality. So if you're in Calcutta volunteering for the Mother Teresa's Foundation and you want to change your career to telemarketing, resistance will give you a pass. Joy exists ontologically inherently on a higher plane of reality because it exists and rooted in the presence of God, which is eternity in heaven in his presence. Therefore, if you want joy, there has to be a higher what? purpose it won't exist in telemarketing sorry for those of you who are doing telemarketing get out of it so the moral plane the spiritual plane the calling is higher and I learned this when I was pretty young I learned this when I was 16 but this picture up here through my story of an egg roll that, that I some people might know but let me tell you, and I'm, I told you during these few weeks that I don't do good things. I don't feel bad going to the Caribbean with my family during Christmas season and not volunteering in the soup kitchen because I'm not motivated by guilt. Trust me, when I take your food, I don't feel guilty about it. Yours is mine, and mine's is mine. I, I like compounding joy. I'm a heathenist by nature, so I don't feel guilty. So let me tell you. When I was, and I have food wounds, and that's another story for another time, and I have deep food wounds, but I remember coming, when I was living in the city in Inwood, uptown Manhattan, um, I had a dollar left. I was coming back home from school. It was six o'clock, and at that time, an egg roll was a dollar. And guys, that egg roll was golden. I held it in my hand in the city lights, Next to the Christmas trees, it was glistening like a star. And then I put duck sauce on it, right out of the store. I'm one of those people that don't wait, you know? And I was about to eat it, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, give the egg roll to the homeless lady. And let me just tell you, this was a struggle. I'm not a good dude. I told you, I, I, don't, I wasn't guilted by God. I'm like, oh, I feel bad. For, I never feel bad for homeless people. I just, I just don't. Systemically, I believe there are other ways you can handle it, but I just don't. I don't feel bad. So letting you know that this is my perspective, okay? The Holy Spirit said, give the egg roll. And I'm saying, Lord, I have no money left. You know, it's like, can I take one bite you? And here, here, here's something I learned that day that started my journey of joy, compounding joy, that was intricately linked to purpose and something higher than current satisfaction. When I gave the egg roll to the woman, there was an awful feeling of hunger. And I told you I have hunger wounds. And the lady took the egg roll and ate it, and I was like, wow, that looks really good. And she goes thank you so much and there was a tear in her eye and then she told her other homeless friend this kid just gave me his egg roll and they're like oh my god and then I felt something surprising what do you call this say it joy you can feel joy when you're hungry that's hard to believe right it was for me that's why I was surprised by joy So what C.S. Lewis says in his conversion to Jesus, he was surprised by joy. It's counterintuitive to human nature. But I felt a joy, a compounding joy, hungry, walking home, that I've never really felt before that deeply. And that's when I learned the nature of joy. First lesson we learn is what? From this text. Joy is what? Always? intricately linked to a transcending purpose. The transcending purpose and joy are inseparable. When God calls you to do something, I'm not talking about something good that you can do, Not even talking about the greatest need that you can give to I'm talking about the presence of God whispering to you this is what I want you to do when you act in obedience and do it it's almost like being in the presence of God joy will result for me it starts small, right? God's not going to call you to be a missionary when you can't give an egg roll. And why people feel depression and misery in most of, of existence? Because you think calling is a job. It's not. Calling is obedience to the Creator because He created you. Ephesians says before the creations of the world he chose you tell someone he chose you right he chose you you're like well yeah yeah he chose everybody billions of people no no if you look at the sperm bank you were millions of millions of millions I told my son he was a really good swimmer I'm sorry I'm sorry but that's just true you are special in that sense you were chosen you were chosen appointed because God wanted to for joy you were created for joy if joy is not the reason for your existence you're missing it. that's God's reason for why you exist to compound joy in your life and you can't find can't find joy apart from the presence of God apart from this transcending purpose it has to take you to a higher plane always to a higher plane of reality And my question to you is, you can say no to many things, but you have to pay attention to the voice of God, to that one thing. And it will require sacrifice. But in the text says, for the joy set before him, the setting of that table was the cross. Shame and suffering was attached to the joy. And the joy would come after, not before. So think about that, about the nature of joy. What is God calling you to? Yeah, don't sacrifice your life and die and be crucified because of guilt. If you're going to be crucified, make sure it's worth it. Make sure that's where the presence of God is. Amen? And I pray the Spirit will make that clear to you. So joy is always inextricably tied to a transcending purpose. Secondly, let's move down. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? The author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he entered the cross, we said. And then he sat at the right hand of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Like we said, joy is always about a transcending purpose. But the second unique part of its nature, joy is not about us, never about us. Tell someone, joy is not about you. What do you mean joy is not about me? Our creative director, Henry Kim, he said that, when he was younger, he picked up a book called Purpose Driven Life. And the first line said, it's not about you, and he said he tossed it out. And I was talking to Henry recently about, you know, baby, family, and I was like, do you feel joy? Oh, yeah. And suffering? Yeah. His life is not about him at all anymore. It's about his daughter and his wife. But Now he's learning that joy is compounded. It's not. Joy doesn't come when it's about you. Let me tell you. You can succeed and accomplish everything you want. Your bank account, your bank columns being a billion dollars, eight columns, nine columns. You can accomplish the letters. You can win the Nobel Peace Prize. The hedonic adaptation says you always come back to the same baseline of happiness. Happiness is fleeting because what? It's technically selfish. It's about me. And no matter how much you affirmed, that pleasure will end. But joy is not about us. It's not even attached to us. It's about something else. It's about someone else. It's about it's always others centered. The cross, did Jesus go to the cross for his health? No, his health was taken away from him. Did he die for his own sins? No, he died for our sins and that brought him joy to save whom and those he loved he said I laid down my life for my friends I was talking to Dr. Andrew Lee about he said that his colleague who was another doctor said you know my son just got into MIT and he said I should feel joy but it was more frightening because you know how much college tuition is right it's like $60,000 a year. How much is NYU, 100 now? And he was saying, well, now I have three kids now, so if I'm gonna send them to college, it's gonna cost about 1.5 million. I said, you're really underestimating tuition. It's probably be two million. So if you have a fourth kid, get another job. But let me just tell you this, and, and that's why he's looking at these investments Arc, Kathy Woods, and Bitcoin and Ether. I gotta do what I gotta do to get these kids. And he's suffering through enduring through the fear of his kids getting into MIT and Harvard. Cambridge is really nice in the fall. And you know, but, and, and it's like frightening because it's 1.5 million. But let me tell you right now, if when Manny gets into MIT, he'll feel more joy on that day than he felt ever. Was like, and, and what is he happy about? Yes, I'm going to pay a million dollars for his education. It's, it's counterintuitive. How does that make any sense? When you have a second child, when we have our second child, I was like, how could we be happy about more responsibility? We have to get more life insurance now. And then when I had to start paying for Josh's seat and the airport, and I try to lie, but he's two and... One month? But when you have to start paying, I mean, it's such a little but. Why do we pay, what? It's, It's always, always, always altruistic. It's not about me. This is what Mark Twain says to get the full value of joy you must what have someone to divide it with joy compounds when the goodness and graciousness and the blessings of God flow on others we love that's when you feel and you're like oh I'm so happy why are you so happy it's not happening to you Because this is the higher plane. You're actually evolving. You're becoming like Jesus. So, the second lesson we learn is what? Joy is always what? Inextricably altruistic, it's others centered. I remember. allowing my son and giving him tickets to Lin Emanuel, the Hamilton show in Puerto Rico. And the suffering that we had to endure to get those tickets. They were selling for $10,000 on StubHub and they were taking them down because they were so limited. Last time Lin manuel was gonna perform it, my friend and his mother, this is what I made them do. They had to go to Walmart on the other side of the island and wait hours to get the tickets for us. And he told me on text, "Bro, you're going to owe me." Cuz I could sell these tickets. I'm like, "Dude, you went to Harvard. Relax. You're successful. I love you." Come on. You're come on, you're a good-looking, tall, Puerto Rican man. I had to flatter him, you know? He falls for that. That flattery is always always So I had to suffer by asking a favor. My friend had to suffer along with his mother because they want to give you one ticket. Going there was a nightmare because I couldn't find the theater. Now I'm thinking, I got my son a present I can't even bring him to. Josh, our youngest son, and my wife had to wait at a mall. (laughs) So we're all suffering. And then we can't find parking. Then I pull a hamstring running to the theater. And I'm like, Dad, he's like, Dad, we got to go. We got to go. And I'm thinking, I should just park this car anywhere. If it gets told to get, did you see the craziness of a father's mind? And then when I saw the look on my son's face when he saw the show, just in the beginning, something surprised me. What I feel joy. Stand and pray together. So everyone, buy an egg roll today. And don't give it to anyone if God doesn't call you to give it away. That's the moral of the lesson. The moral of the lesson is not to become good for the sake of goodness. The moral of the lesson is learning from Jesus himself to listen, to listen carefully. Because sometimes there's only one thing God's calling you to do. And it starts small. Sometimes it just starts with an egg roll. The inherent value of one dollar that will sustain you and satisfy you, but God can turn to something immeasurable something to bless someone else something that could bring joy to someone else in the darkness today folks don't pray for more so you can give it away that's missing the point pray that we become deeper pray that we become more pray for greater capacity to listen To know the voice of eternity. Because joy really is God's presence disguised. So, you lift your hands with me today, and will you pray to become more right now, to become deeper, to become a vessel full of capacity and potential to bring him glory and here's the great deal about him getting the glory, we get the joy. Now Andy will tell you that all marketing is BS because that's his job. He tells me, yeah, we swag out, we swag out. I don't know what that means, still, but okay, you get it. The world will tell you that flamboyancy and extravagance and me getting mine is the path to joy. That is completely opposite of the biblical framework. Our Savior came to give His life away, and His reward was the throne room of God. joy forevermore. Let's pray for that today in this prayer. Let's make this song our prayer. Your kingdom come. Your
0: kingdom come. Your will be done.
1: Father we come before you this afternoon Father we pray that you would get through our thick heads our thick skull that your goal for us is joy you created us to compound joy in our lives. It is the reason for our existence. Help us to trust you in the darkness, in the enduring part, the grueling part of the humdrum life. But when we listen to the call, the direction of our lives, and sometimes the sacrifices of our lives, that you are trying to compound joy in our lives. Guys, I might have linked to Lin-Emmanuel's show in Puerto Rico, but Jesus proved it by hanging on a cross to compound your joy. And Jesus said to the disciples, I lay down my life for my friends. But I tell you this, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. John Piper, a great theologian of our time, said God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. How do you worship God really in life? close your eyes in the darkness. Trust in the midst of great fear. And even in the invisible, even when you can't see the future, trust and find your satisfaction in Him that He will bring you through and that He will bring you through to compound the joy in your life and your family and the world. We bow our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.